Welcome back to the Living Richer Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark Shimkovitz. So most people romanticize about the early years in retirement. You know, travel, golf, um, exploring new hobbies. I know I've done it. But most of us tend to avoid thinking about the later years in life. And the reality is that we're all living longer than ever before. And, and the data shows that 7 out of 10 people over age 65 will eventually need long-term care. So proper planning for your later years or helping aging parents to plan for theirs is crucial if you want to make sure that they're spent with dignity and in a way that aligns with your wishes. Certainly not planning for them can have major negative impacts. So how do you start? Well, today I'm speaking with aging specialist Jeanette Bach. Jeanette runs a company called Fluid Senior Transitions where she assists seniors to live their best life. She helps them to navigate the choices they have. She provides advocacy for those who need it, which, by the way, if you've had any experience with our healthcare system, you know that that's imperative. She also provides ongoing support while planning that transition to the next chapter in life. Now, I've just recently done this with my own mother, so I'm intimately aware of the type of help that aging loved ones need. In my discussion with Jeanette, we talk about, you know, having the difficult conversations with parents. Jeanette lays out how to create a plan for how to determine what level of care is necessary and ultimately how to best go about making the necessary transition. And because so much of that is based on finances, we also discuss how to prepare financially for what's to come. So we've got a lot to cover. No more hesitation. Let's get to it. Welcome to Living Richer with Mark Shimkovitz, Vice President at Raymond James Private Client Group, one of Canada's largest independent investment firms. In this podcast, he'll share with you the things you need to know and things you need to do to build a smart financial plan. Follow along with Mark and learn how to invest wisely, avoid financial mistakes, and navigate life's curveballs without fear. Now, let's get started. Well, welcome to the podcast, Living Richer, Jeanette uh, Bach, we have with us today. Uh, Jeanette is the founder of Fluid Senior Transitions. And with a lot of our practice with Living Richer focused so much on life in transition, we thought it made a lot of sense to have Jeanette come on and give us a little bit of uh, you know a walkthrough in terms of the details and what's involved it when your parents are making that transition into either a retirement home and some of the challenges that people face um, as they get older. So welcome to the show, Jeanette. Oh, it's great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. And oh. this this is a conversation to have. I'll just tell you. For it, sure. it, re- it really is. And I mean, it kind of hits a little bit close to home because I, I think I mentioned to you before that my mother has moved into a retirement home. She moved in last fall and it's been absolutely great. I know that for a lot of people, the reasons why they move in are quite varied. And right. in my mother's case, it was really more of a social thing uh, because she was living in an apartment on her own. Okay. 
uh, from a, a, a life perspective in terms of getting around and, and doing all of the activities and things, she was perfectly fine. But I think she was finding things a little bit isolated. So she made that transition from living in an apartment to living in a retirement home. And, and, it, and it'd say it's going fantastically. Um, but you know, having myself be involved with her, I think gave her a little bit of comfort because there were, you know, we, we tried to make sure that everything was set up properly. Um, but for a lot of people, that's not the case. Uh, so Jeanette, why don't I let, yeah. you know, hand this over to you and, and okay. you can give us a little bit of, let's say a background on all the things that people need to know and do when they're moving into a retirement home and moving on. Yeah, I would say it starts with a conversation. I think that is the beginning of everything. You have to sit down with your adult children, or if you're the parent, you have to sit down first with your spouse and have the conversation about, you know, hopefully you've had this many years before, but I'm finding less less and less likely. So you're going to have a conversation with your spouse. Where do you want to move? What do you want to do? And I have to say, it's usually the men that want to stay and age in place. And it's usually the woman that wants to move into retirement living because she doesn't have to worry about the cooking and the cleaning anymore. And to your point, she everyone has that socialization built in uh, when you go into retirement living. And that is a huge component. So how do we have those conversations? We, we really have to have them, period. Mm-hmm. And many people will ask, what's involved in those conversations? And really, it starts out with where you're most comfortable. So sometimes it's financial and legal because that's what they've known. So Mark, you would normally have those conversations with that. And then it moves on to housing. It goes on to um, care. And how are we going to get around when maybe we don't have our driver's license anymore? So that could bring us back to housing and where we live. And then it's care. What's our physical and mental health like? And is it something that we've been upfront with our children about? Or have we kept things pretty close to our chest and we're not telling them all the things that we're starting to experience, which unfortunately happens most of the time? And then, you know, you have to start thinking about later on in advanced healthcare directives. So, We'll come back to the housing part, but those are type of all the conversations that you need to really have with your kids. Right. And interestingly, you, you mentioned about, um, you know, parents' mental capacity. And we had a situation quite recently, in fact, where uh, the father had passed away and he had been extremely protective of the mother's mental capacity to the point where the adult children really weren't even aware of what was going on. And, and, and I think that that created a significant challenge. And I think that there's in all likelihood, a number of situations like that, where things can either come up out of the blue. Do you have any examples of that? Like I I love stories. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Help share maybe one or two in something like that. Yeah, I was thinking about it uh, the other day. And the one I have is really when it comes down to when um, there's like uh, children aren't living close by. This is when I find it, ha- it, it happens and it can be 
immediately led to a crisis. Like, you know, if you don't have those conversations. So in this situation, the adult child, um, their son lived in Boston and two aging elderly parents lived in their family home here in the West End. And really they were academics. So one was an engineer and mom was a, um, she had her PhD in history and had taught at York University. So extremely smart people, but they weren't great at communicating. And given that their son was in Boston, they didn't have a lot of good conversations and things were left. So the house was starting to be in disrepair. There wasn't a lot of, there was a visit, you know, occasionally from the son, but there was also a breakdown in communication between mom and son. So here we are going along. We have COVID. He's in the States. He can't come up and he doesn't really see what's going on. Plumbing starting to be an issue in the house, but um, parents really don't know how to manage it. Dad, who used to manage the house, used to manage all the bills and the finances and kind of everything, he started to um, to experience some decline, some cognitive decline. And he was eventually diagnosed and ended up having a a capacity or um, a MOCA test result. We talk about this a lot, kind of gives us an idea of where they are on the spectrum of Alzheimer's or, or just dementia. Right. He had um, a, 17, a score of 17 out of 30. His son was quite surprised to see this and to hear about this. So sorry, a, a 17 out of 30, that would yeah. that mean that to me, it's like less than or just over half. Yes. It's time when to be someone's into- at that point. They yeah. should, I assume, not necessarily be on no. their own. No, they shouldn't really be living. If Now, his wife was um, very with it. She's good health, but she doesn't have, um, she gets easily stressed out, overwhelmed, anxiety mm-hmm. about things. And she was really managing everything on her own. So her anxiety was going this way. They didn't have a great family physician, which was really problematic. In fact, when I... When I was called in to help, um, the first thing we did was go to the family physician. And after three years, the only thing this gentleman, this GP did was take their blood pressure. Hmm. No tests, no blood tests, no anything. And in speaking with the son, that had sort of been the way of things for the last three years. And and do you think, did that have something to do with their own mental capacity, not necessarily pushing for tests or or concerns and where the mother may not necessarily have been the one in the past to do that. Yep. I would definitely say that. I mean, that's where, you know, children become really good advocates for parents and kind of we get on their backs, the roles reverse, right? Right. What the daughter is now really, um, you know, helping parents to figure out what to do next. And in this situation, mom and son really don't don't have a good relationship. And she's, um, yeah, she's very much an introvert and she doesn't talk a lot. And that becomes problematic when your husband is, has um, significant cognitive impairment. So it was a bit of a pickle when I got involved because I had two elderly people that um, really hadn't been to the doctor, hadn't had foot care, hadn't really done anything in three years. 
And so we, we started with that, but ultimately the son wanted them moved out of the house and into retirement living. Right. So when you get brought into a situation like that, uh, I, I assume at the outset, there's a lot of investigation, for lack of a better word, to try to yeah. determine, you know, what the current state of yes. mental, physical abilities are, what the needs are. And that's is, right. Is that sort of the process? Bang on, Mark. Yeah, that's exactly it. I go in and kind of take a look at their living situation and um, look at, are they, is it a safe environment even, you know, right. is, are they safe in the environment? How are they managing? And in this case, I determined pretty quickly that um, uh, the husband was not, he not only had cognitive impairment, but his uh, mobility was, was quite impaired. And there was, he would come down the stairs every day um, to be in the main floor with his wife and she was the one showering him, everything. And she was tiny. Like she's quite tiny. If he were to fall, she could have hurt herself as well. Right. So it was not a, not a safe situation for either of them when I came on um, board. Um, and so we quickly set up a, an appointment with um, what's now called uh, Home and Community Support Services. So is that used, a government agency? It is. It used to, we used to refer to it as CCAC, and then we referred to it as the LIN. Now it's called HCCSS. Okay. Doesn't now, roll someone was sort of doing this on their own, is that an, an agency that they would want to connect Absolutely. with? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I usually say it's a good idea to get on their radar. Mm -hmm. And meaning, I mean, if you're living and you don't really, you, you're able to manage all of your activities of daily living. Um, and what that, what those are is getting yourself up in the morning, getting yourself dressed, doing your personal hygiene, um, making your bed, doing, uh, making meals, that sort of thing. So those are called activities of daily living. That's mm -hmm. how do you get through the day, essentially toileting, that sort of thing. And um, I think that when people are starting to have some challenges in that area, it is a good idea to contact them and get on their radar. They will come and they will do an assessment and decide whether they think that you would um, you would qualify for some free government uh, home care support. Right. And that that's not huge numbers of hours. You may get three hours a week to start a with. A week, hmm. right. Yeah, the most you people would usually get is, I mean, that I see three hours a day. And then, Mark, that's not three hours a day. It's actually as long as it takes them to complete the task they're there to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, showers. And, right. So, and, and the types of tasks that they would typically be required to to do would be within a fairly narrow scope i imagine yeah it's it's usually uh, what i see most often it's am or pm care so that what that means is somebody would show up in the morning to get you out of bed to get you dressed to get you toileted to get you set for the day right and and but they can come anytime within a three-hour period so if you've sort of said between seven and 10, maybe they're coming at seven, maybe they're coming at 10. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things. And then you're not necessarily going to get the same caregiver each time that they come as well. 
Right. So in terms of the, the breadth of um, involvement, it, it really leaves out a whole lot of, oh, in yeah. terms of the type of support. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, financial and legal and, and all that other stuff, which I definitely want to get into, uh, that's not part of what they do. No, it's not. And it's really, I mean, the way that I see it, it's, and that's why I say get on the radar early, because if you do and you're starting to have, maybe you're starting to get unsteady in the shower and you would feel safer by having those extra support in place. Mm-hmm. I would say take that because it's always better to reduce your risks. Right. So that risk reward thing every day when you get up, you know, when you start to get uh, older and you're maybe getting more frail. Because the fall is the thing you want to avoid at all costs. Right. So that's why I say getting some care from the land in the very in early on when you start to notice is a way better approach than only calling when you're in dire straits. Now you're, you know, you've really quite compromised and you need help with a lot of things. And you've probably increased your risk on a daily basis by not asking for this type of help. But the other thing that the LAN slash HCCSS does is they are also the gatekeepers for long-term care. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Right. So, right. so, which is obviously something that people are considering okay, now moving from their home into a long-term care facility um, being on their radar and them being the gatekeepers really helps to facilitate that transition or, or improve the speed at which that takes place. It may, it may, oh. it may. I mean, that the hope is that if the system right. were working properly, <clears throat> it yeah. might, it would have a greater chance at being more successful in that way. Um, the what I guess the reasoning I'm suggesting it more is because, again, I like to reduce all risk or as much risk as possible as early on. Mm-hmm. Because if you can avoid that fall or avoid that um, devastating event, then you're going to age better and more successfully and also less expensively as well. Right. Okay. So that's why take the free service when it's offered. And so that you're getting that help, you're getting used to having people in the home because it is a bit of a, it is a bit of a, um, an adjustment to make when someone starts to come to your own to provide you care. And it is an adjustment for even yourself to, ma- to feel comfortable with. Right. Um, so there, there's a lot that goes into planning for that transition. And I I know from our standpoint, and again, just thinking back to the last couple of clients that we helped to transition from a home into a retirement facility, some of the things that we focused on was were the financial and the legal um, powers of attorney. And we want always want to make sure their wills are up to date. There's also something called the trusted contact uh, here in Ontario. That's a relatively new thing kind of like an emergency contact. And for individuals who aren't aware of that, I think that that's something that is, which is new, and it helps to 
ensure that as you know us as an advisor that when we have a trusted contact connection Without that, we can't speak to anyone. But if we happen to notice that the individual isn't responding to phone calls or emails when they did fairly regularly in the past, or we start to notice that things that came easy to them, understanding investment and finance concepts, are now becoming more of a challenge. Uh, Without a trusted contact that we can then reach out to, it leaves that client open to significant risk. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, you know, we get involved in quite a lot in terms of finance is that budgeting. Because when someone is moving from a home to a retirement home, uh, expenses change. Uh, expenses generally go up because most of the clients that we're working with are, are wanting to stay in a facility that can be costly. And, and as you mentioned, you're not having to worry about cleaning and cooking and, and all of that adds up. So there's a lot of planning that goes into uh, making that transition. And as I said, the financial side doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, we had a client that we were working with recently, and we spent some time going through you know, her budget. So we, we were helping this client transition. And from a, a financial standpoint, the budgeting was fairly easy in terms of her outflow. Uh, the inflow made things a little bit more complicated, trying to understand her various sources of income, old age mm-hmm. security, CPP. We want to make sure that the income that she's getting is tax effective. So a lot of financial and uh, legal discussions that we have, I know are very important. Uh, But there's other very important things that people need to consider. Uh, Can you highlight some of the ones that you think are most important? Yeah. Um, So we'll go back to the housing. Sort of goes back to the what I was starting to talk about before. It's it's really important to talk about the housing. And let's say you're in your family home and you're 85 years old, 87 years old, it's two story, it's two and a half bath, but their full bathrooms are upstairs. Mm -hmm. So that's going to become a problem. You know, you start to lose your mobility, then what happens? You probably want to look at potentially moving to a retirement living community if you're in that situation. So then you would, you know, sell the house, you would take the money, Mark, and you would look at investing it. I would then, uh, if I'm working with the family, I would ask them, what's the budget? Because that's the very first thing to take into consideration about the housing. So housing is a big part of what you need to talk about. And it needs, and it could be, let's say, you know, you're the adult child and you're thinking your parents are looking at moving out of their family home and, and, and moving into retirement. And then you get the news that, no, no, they think they're moving in with you. <laughs> and or, no, no, they're going to, they're thinking of buying a apartment condo. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that might be good or bad. It just depends on what their health situation is. And, and that's the other part of the conversation. So it's like, are you having some cognitive impairment? Is, are you, do you have two parents? One has cognitive impairment and one has, um, failing health. Well, then you've got a three legged stool and they're holding each other up. Mm-hmm. So now you have to consider 
again, the housing side of things. But now instead of just looking for a retirement community, now you start to have to think, oh, wait a second, we'll need something like a memory care that if you know, that parent that has some cognitive impairment starts to decline, there is a next level of care for them to move into. Um, And both parents can be in the same retirement community. They may not be in the same room anymore, though. It really will depend. So the housing part, that housing conversation is big, but it's not without the health conversation of physical and mental health. And the physical and mental health is where you could end up spending an awful lot of money, Mark. So most retirement living communities, um, you can start off, you know, in the 3000s for a studio. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend that for a, a couple, but it can go as, as high as $14,000 a month. If you have, let's say you had Parkinson's with Lewy body dementia. You would have a high level of physical needs, but you would also have a, a high level of mental uh, uh, supportive needs to deal with your dementia. So, right. Right. And then I, I kind of mentioned it before, but transportation. So you're, if you're, on your, you're in your own home and you lose your license, your driver's license, mm-hmm. what's your expectation? Is your expectation is that your kids are going to drive you around or that there's a bus stop and you're going to take trans, uh, public transportation. Maybe you have a good relationship with the taxi service in town. Great, right. right? But that has another impact and is usually something you need to talk about because that's going to impact where you live as well. Right. So, and, and if you're living on your own uh, versus living in uh, a retirement community. Yeah. You know, again, using my mother as an example, uh, right. they, they've got a bus where they can take people on uh, day trips to That's Shoppers right. Drug Mart yeah. or go grocery shopping if they want and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Uh, she's also able to take Uber. I know that that's something that a lot of people aren't able to do. And and so those are significant considerations. And, yeah. and especially, I think, as you mentioned in the, that example at the beginning, where the child might be living out of the city or out of the country yep. or, or simply can't be there. That's right. Transportation is very important. I, and I, I think it gives people that sense of independence, you know, where if they aren't able to get around and get out and they were able to do that before, that can have a really detrimental effect. Well, they, you, you often see that there's some depression that results after you get that, you know, the doctor tells you, I'm afraid I'm going to have to take away your license or something happens to lead to that license being, you know, uh, taken away. You get the letter in the mail from the ministry and it is, it is really quite devastating because to them, it's the end of, a, it's a, the end of their independence. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen is that those that move into retirement living, to your point, they're actually able to maintain their independence longer because there's a bus. So they don't have to rely on their kids to, you know, take them around and do all the groceries or the, you know, the errand running, let's call it, right. or, you know, picking up the things from the uh, shopper's drug mart, like you said. But it gets them out and it may even get them to different activities. My mom is out in Beamsville 
and they've been to the Shaw Festival. They they go wine tasting. It's like I want this life. Sign me up. I like, it's pretty good. You know? uh, yeah, I would say. I mean, some of the the facilities like they're fantastic. Yeah, in terms of activities. I mean, we're going a little bit off topic in terms yes. of transportation, but even within these facilities, what they offer is fantastic. It is. It is, and. The last area, though, I wanted to just mention before we I, I get distracted and I forget is <laughs> one of the most important conversations that people need to start having with their adult children is advanced health care directives. Right. And we really didn't hear much about these over the last few years. But given the state of our, well, we've gone through three years of COVID. We've learned some things. We are in a situation where our healthcare system is not great at the moment and we really shouldn't um, sugarcoat that. It really isn't great. And so we have to plan better if we're Mm going to be able to live the way we want to live. And we have to plan with our kids, with our adult children, if they're adult children in the picture. Because ultimately at the end of the day, Mark, they're the ones that are cleaning up the mess uh, afterwards. Right. So, you know, I started to say to people now, my big thing is um, don't, lack, don't let your lack of planning result in your children's emergency. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens regularly. You know, I see it all the time. So, but I am seeing an uptake in people saying, we really need to plan. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> right. Really do. Well, I would imagine that people start to see a decline, even not necessarily themselves, but in their friends. And, and yeah. uh, the difference that planning or a, a lack of yeah. planning can have in the ultimate outcome. Um, and, and, and I think yeah. that the lack of planning in terms of where you're going to live, if you're yes. having to do that at, a la- at the last minute yes. versus... Some of these places require lead time. My mother's did. That's right. Quite a number of months, in fact, before she was able to get in. Um, and, and understanding that, you know, different places not only um, are, dif- are different in terms of the activities and the, the services that they provide. My mother has both a cat and a dog, uh, and that really limited her. But she she's now in a fantastic place where she still got her cat and her dog. Um, so and 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 it's working out great. But not it's, planning in advance yeah. could have meant that those uh, her her pets may not go along with her and that would have been extremely challenging. I, I don't even know what would have happened. <laughs> I understand. No, I think I think you have you bring up a really good point, Mark. The whole point about planning is so you have a higher a percent a, a greater um ability to get what you want because you're planning it ahead. And mm-hmm. I even think um I always say to people if if you're starting to have these conversations with your parents now about, and they're in that mid eighties range, do it, uh, plan it six months out and a good time to move into retirement living. And often people want to have their last summer in their house or their last mm-hmm. in their garden, that sort of thing. You know, so if things are starting to decline, you know, the fall is a good kind of um, marker to look at moving into retirement living. You know, they talk about moving into retirement living before the snow flies. And, you know, so you're kind of nice and cozy inside and not have to worry about what's going on outside. And 
it, there is something to be said for that. But I would, I recommend to people, if you're thinking about it, start planning now. And I know it, we're only in May, but you need to start thinking about where that might look like where, where right. do you stay in your village with your, or do you move closer to your kids? Mm-hmm. And that's another big one. If you have no children living close by and you're now waited until you're quite compromised, it's going to be a very challenging aging process, you know, where they're maybe driving three, four hours to get to you. And that is not ideal for them. So it goes back to the, don't create the emergency for your kids. Right. You know? Yeah. So in terms of uh, the timing of the move, so much can be involved. I I think about my aunt. Uh, she had an apartment that she needed to sell. She had, uh, and there was kind of a specific apartment that she wanted to move into at her retirement community, uh, which you need to wait until it becomes available and selling a, a house or an apartment. There's a lot that is involved in that. Yeah. So the more lead time, the better. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking that uh as people are moving, and, and I know we touched on a lot of the uh, financial planning topics, um, but I want to make sure that we're not missing anything because we are very familiar with, you know, powers of attorney and mm-hmm. updating wills. I mentioned about the trusted uh, contact. Contact. Yeah. Um, are there some other, any other sort of planning topics from a financial or a legal perspective that you want to talk about? Well, I actually, I want to bring it to your attention because all of us have many more digital assets than we we once did, right? And you think about points, you know, your air miles, and especially if you're into retirement and you're already traveling all over the place, you've got some pretty serious air miles. Mm -hmm. But is that in your name? Is it in your husband's name? And how do you get access to it? You know, I've heard recently... um, Quite a few people have said, oh, my husband, you know, he became compromised and I don't have his passport and he never wrote it down. And our air miles, we have a lot. I would like to use them for my granddaughter to fly her here or there. And they don't have the passwords. And those aren't, that's not an easy thing to rectify. Um, If you're not on the, and and they're, they're not looking to help you either because they're points. Right. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because it kind of slipped my mind, but that is something where we've actually got documents and uh, like brochures available where right. clients, and, and these are fairly long, I shouldn't even call them brochure, little books almost, <laughs> yes. where people can put all of the information, their yeah. points, their passwords, yeah. uh, the various accounts, who their lawyer, accountant, financial advisor is, uh, where their safety deposit box is, and where the key for the safety deposit box That's is. Right. And now these, uh, this is obviously very confidential information, so people want to keep it closely guarded, but it is important to have all of that information documented. And whoever that trusted individual is, and, and if it's an executor, making sure that they're aware of the existence of that booklet. And by the way, if anyone is interested in getting a copy of that, we're certainly happy to send one out to you because it really is probably one of the most important things yep. that people can do to help ensure uh, that the value of things like points or the existence yep. of uh, other investments 
don't get missed because they very easily can fall through the easily. cracks. And I'm not going to go into too many stories, but we've got examples of those as well. Yeah. Um, well, the, it's really, it's very important. Actually, one of the things I always like to bring to your people's attention is, do you know where your marriage certificate is? If you've been married for 60 years, you may have lost track of that, but that's mm-hmm. going to become an important document at some point. And so when you're talking about gathering your important documents together, that marriage certificate, you need to start asking your parents where that is now. Let's just right. say, because yeah. you may be, you may be having to send away for a new one and that may not be easy depending on where your parents were married. So it, it, it may be some, one of those things that you need to know sooner rather than later. Right. Um, when, when somebody passes away, that marriage certificate becomes important to the surviving spouse. So um, we started off at the, the call uh, with a sort of kind of a, a challenging story of the, the uh, with the son in Boston and one. Can you perhaps share a, a positive story where there yep. was some where all the proper planning went well? Because people like to see, okay, if I were to follow all these steps, do what you said to, uh, that we should do. Yep. How things might play out? Yeah, well, I actually do. I have um, a couple. That okay. new early on, they were 76, 78. He had just recently been diagnosed with some mild cognitive impairment. So, you know, that's a good indicator. Yikes, we better get our house in order. And so they were great. Um, they were great students. They, they had um, had their family gathered together. Uh, I think it was at Christmas time and they, they had, they told them in advance, listen, while you're here at Christmas, want to have this conversation with you. And they had, they started to tell them they hadn't um, sort of shared with them before about their wills and powers of attorney. And I don't know why this is Mark, but some, I've met so many seniors that don't believe that they should tell their kids or the, whoever they've appointed as a power of attorney and or their executive is like, wait a second, you didn't ask them first. <laughs> so that's something else. It's always a shock to me, yeah. but you really should ask your, whoever you're going to appoint as your power of attorney and your executor. So if it is your children, have that conversation with them, let them know. And then if you have more than one child, you want to explain why you made the choices that you made. Because I find that more communication is going to help alleviate any conflicts down the mm-hmm. road and or hurt feelings or, you know, misunderstandings. You, you kind of want to nip that in the butt in early on, um, especially if you're in a second marriage. You really want to ha- really plan well and you really want to have really good conversations with both sides. If you have both, if you both have children, you want to bring them together as much as possible, if it's possible and, and let them know what your plans were. So, yeah. So I would say that for your power of attorney, tell them that they're your power of attorney. And then you may want to start to have some of these, um, personal care conversations. So we talked a little bit about advanced healthcare planning and these guys did it. 
So not only did they have the conversation with their kids, they came to me and they said, we really, you know, our kids live a distance away. They're going to be involved, but we want to give them the answer before it gets to that stage. And we don't want them to be worrying about what they, you know, what we wanted or what we don't want. We don't want guilt. So they actually did some advanced healthcare planning, which really is talking about how do you want to live day to day? Mm -hmm. Are you okay with going into retirement living or do you want them to make every effort to maintain you in your existing home? What is it? Um, In their situation, they had sold the family home. They were in an apartment and they were open to moving into retirement living. And they were starting to look at it because of dad's now mild cognitive impairment. Right. So, They planned, they talked to their powers of attorney, their kids knew who was doing what. They had the conversation about advanced healthcare planning. They told them what exactly was in the document and gave them a copy of it. They they, they sold their family home. They downsized. They already were in agreement to move into retirement living. They were doing their funeral planning. So like, wow. You know, I want to be their kids, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's, well, because it, it, it takes a lot of stress, not all, only off of the parents, but yes. the kids as well, knowing that, 100%. okay, you know, my parents are, are being well taken care of. They've taken all of those steps um, and, and they're not going to be in a position where they're forced to make a rash, quick decision that yeah. may not be aligned with their goals and objectives. That's right. And and it's going to end up to be cost them less, Mark, because in managing things this way, you're, you're downsizing yourself at an earlier age. You're managing your thing. It's easier to manage things when you're younger. When you get mm-hmm. into your 80s, you, you don't have the same energy levels. You don't have the same bandwidth anymore. And, you know, not to say you, you, you not everybody does, but it gets harder. Because you have less energy, right? So having these things planned out and having your kids understand the expectation that you have of them, it creates, uh, there's just a level of calmness that kind of comes over. And because they had been downsizing, you know, and their plan to go to retirement living, well, you know what? They don't have to go through and sell a family home and you don't have to go through the contents of a family home. It's been done. A little bit have been done over the years. So you kind of slide into retirement living. Yeah. And with any luck at all, that's going to be your last home, you know? And and then it's 30 days notice. So no big, um, you know, organization craziness at the end. And, and that's what you want. Absolutely. Nobody wants that stress hanging over their head. Right. You know, at all. Like um, I have, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Be, no, I no. was just going to say, I have a friend who's an only child. Her parents are living up in Aurora and they have lived there for 50 years, refused to leave. And I just, I am like, oh, I'm afraid for her. <laughs> because you know the potential risk. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, and they're 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 also being stubborn about not accepting additional help. Not oh, I can still clean my home. She, you know, her mom is eighty seven. Yeah, but should you? 
Should you? You it doesn't matter if you can. Should you clean right. your home? Right? It's fine. It's one of those things that if you can afford it, it's worth having that housekeeper come in Absolutely. and do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to kind of wrap it up. I know we've been we've covered a lot of information. And um, what I just wanted to quickly summarize, and, and I made some notes here, is sort of those top five things uh, so that people want to consider yep. when you're helping your loved one uh, in their later years. And the first one being the legal and financial. I, I talked a little bit about that. Powers of attorney, wills, the trusted contacts. Knowing that really the financial plan doesn't need to be overly complex and you can certainly get a lot of help from your financial advisor about that. Um, The other point was housing. You know, where will you live? Um, Physical and mental health care. We talked about that. That's important. Transportation and the advanced health care directives. So so the five major categories. Now, was there anything that I missed? I, I want to make sure that we sort of covered all of that. Or No, those are your five. There are more. But There's definitely those are, more. Those are, I would say, your top five. If you could start, if people start having open conversations with their kids about those five topics, there'll be a whole lot of happy adult children out there, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. And as I say, it gives a sense of comfort to everyone involved. Yeah. It's managing the expectations. That was great. Yeah. Um, and w- there's also a lot of resources. I know that. Yes. And uh, so people who are listening to the call will want to know, okay, where can I get some information? And, and I did mention that estate planning reference guide that we've got. Yeah. And I will make sure that we have a link to that. Um, what are some of the other things in terms of yeah. uh, references and resources that people can m- make available to themselves? One I would say is the there is a government website for advanced care planning. Okay. I would recommend people go and check that out and take a look at those tools that they provide you because there is a workbook on that as well. Mm-hmm. And you can go through it and, you know, you don't have to pay somebody. You can pay somebody else to do it because there's a couple of people that um, retired nurses and things like that that I know that are doing those now. But that. The one that the government has provided is a good starting point for most people and would, would be sufficient for most people, I would think. Um, the other one is I subscribe to uh, McMaster Optimal Aging website and they have a newsletter. McMaster University. Yeah. Okay. And it's a great, um, I, I get the newsletter every month and the site itself has great learning videos about all types of topics that affect people as they age. And I think it's a great resource for people to go to, to check out. It's got all kinds of stuff on healthy eating and, and uh, exercise, as well as what about Alzheimer's and if you lose your license and all of these things. So lots of great information there, Mark. And then I always like to include the Alzheimer's Society because, again, they do have a great deal of information. If somebody that you love has been recently diagnosed with dementia, there's some great videos. Another person I haven't marked, uh, I haven't given it to you yet, Mark, but there's another one called, um, her name is Tipa Snow. And it's T-E-E-P-A. Yeah. And then the last name is Snow. 
Right. And she has YouTube videos on how to manage somebody or how to care for somebody that has Alzheimer's or dementia. And she is incredible. I had the opportunity to um, spend a day with her learning and it changed my life for sure. Um, and and that, that's great because, you know, with yep. everyone living longer, the likelihood that someone is diagnosed and goes yep. through the various stages of Alzheimer's is important. You know, it increases. So having that as a resource is great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then there's ministry of um, long-term care and then also the retirement, um, the RHRA, which is the governing body of retirement. So if you really wanted to learn a little bit more about that, those are great also. Right, great. What's the RHRA? RHRA is Retirement Living um, Association. Yeah, it's like their government. Yeah, Retirement Homes. Oh, regulatory? So regulatory, uh, yeah. That's right. Oh, okay. you're, you're better at this than I am. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I vaguely remember that one. So, the acronyms, okay. yeah. Yeah, but well, I mean, we want to make sure that people are able to get access to that. So what we're going to do is have links to all of this information in the show notes uh, for the podcast. Um, but before I end, I want to make sure that people can uh, know how they can reach out to you. So uh, sure. your, your website, what's yeah. the best way to contact you? Um, you can call, give me a call um, on my number at 416-518-2734. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to my website at uh, www.fluidseniortransitions.ca. Okay. And you can reach out to me at Jeanette at fluid, S as in senior, T is in transition.ca as well. Fluidst.ca. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this was an extremely informative uh, podcast and uh, I hope everyone gets lots of value out of it and um, thanks for joining us and thanks. we I look forward to speaking to you again soon thanks Mark thanks for the opportunity and uh, thanks for tuning in all right thanks for listening to living richer and we'll see you next time Information in this podcast is from sources believed to be reliable. However, we cannot represent that it is accurate or complete. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Raymond James Advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. The views are those of Mark Shimkovitz and not necessarily those of Raymond James Limited. Investors considering any investment should consult with their investment advisor to ensure that it is suitable for the investor's circumstances and risk tolerance before making any investment decision. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund.